I'm here today with uh, Ricky of uh, McLean of Woodworks. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the programming that the organization is offering, um, what uh, initiatives uh, Ricky and his team are working on, and uh, how that ties into industrialized construction, uh, uh, mass timber, tall buildings, uh, and other uh, research and developments. So Ricky, if you want to give us a little background, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks, Anthony, for, for uh, having me on. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with Woodworks. Woodworks is a, a nonprofit organization. So we have a team of architects, structural engineers, and construction industry professionals. Um, and we're, we're really here to be a free resource to the design, development, and construction communities. So our, we have really two main focuses. Um, and the first and, and biggest is one-on-one -on -one project specific assistance project support. So we primarily work with architects and engineers and other building designers, but anybody that's working on a wood project, it could be light frame wood construction, you know, offsite modular, as well as mass timber construction, essentially anything other than single family homes. Uh, we provide free design assistance. So, you know, that comes in many shapes and forms. It could be something as simple as a question on, you know, what do you think is the best construction type for this project to, you know, can you help us find a one-hour fire-resistance rated floor assembly that has an STC 55, um, you know, up to much more in-depth, um, really helping somebody, if maybe it's their first mass timber project, really helping them throughout the design and construction process. So we do that, we have a team of regional directors, 14 regional directors around the country, so there's one near you. We don't have a, a physical office anywhere. Everybody's remote so that we can really be kind of nimble and spread throughout the country. Um, and so that's, that's our biggest focus is that project support. And then the second focus is education. Um, so we, we host a number of educational events throughout the year. Of course, in the past you know, year plus, everything's been virtual, but they used to be a mix of, of online and in person. Um, everything from one-hour online webinars through you know, half-day, and, and when they were in person, they were closer to a full day of education. Um, now we have one coming up that, Anthony, you're involved in on May 27th. It's an online, like a half-day symposium. Um, people can find out more about it. on. It's a, we have a landing page, just symposium.woodworks.org. Um, okay. And so there's, at that event, there's going to be like 12 half-hour breakout sessions that people can choose. There's going to be a mix of like more in-depth technical design topics on like sure wall to, you know, more general education, case studies, those types of things. And then some a really cool opening plenary from Dodge Data, kind of like a big picture of what's happening in the construction industry. And then a closing plenary um, with, with two architects and one developer, kind of looking ahead at what does the future of, of design and construction look like, specifically for mass timber. Um, Absolutely. So, gotcha. personally, my background is, is in structural engineering. Um, so I work with, I work with, um, design teams that are looking specifically at taller mass timber projects. Um, so maybe I think a little later in the conversation, we'll kind of look at some, some trends that we see in tall mass timber construction is certainly one of those. Is that, um, now is that primarily multifamily or are there other asset classes that also, uh, you said, uh, before about a hundred projects, um, you have in the pipeline yeah. there. Are they, is there a variety in the type of end use we're, we're talking about there? 
it's been an interesting mix because historically mass timber um, has been used in, you know, what I would say low to mid-rise buildings, um, you know, one to six stories generally is the range. And the reason for that is because that's what the code capped it at, the, the limit on the building code prior to the 2021 IBC, that was as tall as you could go prescriptively. There were a few projects that went beyond. Mm -hmm. um, but the 2021 IBC allows up to 18 stories of mass timber construction. So the 100 projects you mentioned is we're assisting on about 100 projects in that six-story to 18-story range. And it's been an interesting mix because when projects were in that both, you know, six stories and below range, um, especially for multifamily, you can already do that now out of light frame wood construction. You know, this is very common with you know, coated style buildings. So from a cost perspective, mass timber and light frame wood don't compete well with each other. You know, mass timber really competes better on buildings that are more of a post to beam construction like steel and concrete. So now that we're going taller with mass timber, there, there is a shift to more multifamily. Um, you know, there's a project under construction now in Cleveland. It's nine stories, uh, about 300 units, mass timber construction. And then another project in uh, Milwaukee that is under construction. When it's done, it's actually going to be the tallest mass timber building in the world. It's uh, 25 stories and over 280 feet. And that's, that's also multifamily occupancy. So wow. we are definitely seeing a shift. The lower end of, of, of you know number of stories was was more office, institutional, higher ed, a few ma uh, multifamily buildings. But once we're going taller, definitely a shift to more multifamily. Do you think um, Do you think in part it's because the economics work um, more effectively when you go to a certain level uh, of size? I mean, that, like like you were mentioning, it's a better competitor to steel. In other words. Um, we get that economy of scale at a certain type of uh, building square footage uh, for the developers out there. Is that the case? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of interesting too from a like a lot use perspective. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's kind of these there's been these two zones in order to get a lot use to work from a performer perspective where you know you could go six seven stories maybe it's a five over one five over two frame wood podium construction and then there's always kind of been this dead zone of like 7 to 12 maybe 15 stories where if you're doing steel or concrete you know that that's going to jump the cost per square foot up so you generally have to go more stories to make the final numbers work out mm. with mass timber it, it has the potential anyways and I'm not going to say it's always the best fit but it has the potential to kind of fit in that sweet spot of that 7 to 15 story range uh, because of the code allowances, you can expose some of the timber, uh, plus, you know, it's a lighter weight building as well. The structural mm -hmm. system is lighter weight, so it's, it's really well suited for projects that um, have poor soils, you know, so maybe you can reduce site work, that type of thing. Um, and it's also completely prefabricated. You mentioned at the beginning, like, how does this fit into industrialized construction? The mass timber is a completely prefabricated system, so it's coming to the site really as a kit of parts. Um, and so it, it works very well in like a tight infill urban site where there isn't a lot of room to lay down materials, um, mm. material stockpile, that type of thing. So it has a number of kind of sweet spots or ways that it can work. Um, but in that 7 to 15 story range really seems to be where we're seeing a sweet spot emerge. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned site use has, uh, has been uh, a big um discussion point regarding uh, modular you know how to efficiently use those infill sites when you have limited space uh and site irregularity um so there, there seems to be 
a number of different opportunities. So I've, I'm, I'm being part of the community. CLT has been um, a fan favorite for sure of the last uh, uh, several years. And it, uh, now I can bring it together a bit. I mean, the code, the code change was huge, it sounds like. Um, and that it don't, do you feel that there's almost like a, there was a bit of a buildup in, in desire to do this? And then when it, the floodgates sort of opened with the code uh, letting it go or, um, or, or bringing it to reality, I should say, rather than letting it go. Yeah. Um, do you feel that yeah, that was a bit of a pent up demand? I think the demand is absolutely there. It's, I, it's been, I would say more of a slower buildup. And I think we're kind of just getting near the crest where, we're going to start to start to see a lot more happen. Um, there's been kind of the, the breadcrumbs laid, you know, by specifically people in the Pacific Northwest. You know, mm. the, I'm thinking projects like there's a project called Carbon 12. It's eight stories of mass timber construction in Portland, Oregon, um, and that was done prior to the, the 2021 code uh, being approved. So they kind of, you know, paved their own way and helped lay the groundwork for some of these code changes. Another project um, that was scheduled to happen in Portland, Oregon, didn't go forward, unfortunately, but it was going to be 12 stories of mass timber called Framework. Uh, mm -hmm. Another project in New York City uh, was going to be 10 stories of mass timber construction. Those last two were both um, partially funded under uh, Tallwood Building Competition um, that really helped generate more interest and in, in use of mass timber and Tallwood Buildings. You know, that was kind of like this precursor to the code changes. So now the code changes are approved. Mm. What was interesting with that was even before the 2021 code was published, several states, several jurisdictions already started to basically be early adopters of that code language. Um, so now we're basically, you know, we're probably about six months from the time the, the 2021 code was published six months ago, but already uh, I think five jurisdictions have adopted that code language. So Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Utah, city of Denver have already adopted that Tallwood code language. California has done the same. It becomes effective in a couple months. The city of Georgia is evaluating it. Several other states around the country. So it's not something necessarily where, you know, in some states, if 2021 code comes out, it may be 2025, 2026 before it's adopted. We're seeing that many jurisdictions are proactively looking at bringing in that Tallwood code language. Mm -hmm. um, which is definitely going to break down barriers to design teams and developers going forward because the code language is already there for them. That's just another hurdle that they don't have to deal with. And, and there, there is most definitely some other social drivers there because uh, they don't just do it to benefit the developers or, or the industry. Um, there's also a sustainability aspect to CLT, right? Um, and uh, could you tell us a little bit more about, about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting if you look back at, you know, if you want to paint with a broad brush, this the, the green construction industry, you know, interest in sustainability uh, of construction. Historically, or at least over the past decade, a big focus has been on our energy efficiency, and, and rightfully so. You know, how can we reduce the amount of energy that our buildings use while in operation? And we've done a great job. The industry's done a great job with, with really increasing energy performance of buildings. So, and, and there's still, you know, more that can be done, more that is being done on that, you know, I think passive house construction, for example. But also now there is more of a shift to understand, well, what is the carbon impact of the materials that we're putting into that building, mm. you know, up front and then throughout the duration of the building. So, you know, that's where we're starting to see a big focus now on doing LCAs, 
understanding, you know, how does all, how do all of the materials that go into a building perform? What is the embodied carbon of those materials? You know, what did it take to produce those materials? How heavy are they? So how does that impact transportation? I mean, the greenhouse gas emissions of transportation, erection. What is the end use of those materials? Can they be recycled, re reused, or do they have to be put into a landfill somewhere? Mm. You know, so understanding how all of these things play into the construction of the building is, is becoming much more in focus for designers and developers. And so Mass Timber, um, like you said, can really play a very significant role there because of the fact that, I mean, number one, it is the only renewable building material. Um, you know, we're using mass timber, or excuse me, we're using wood products to form mass timber products that come from sustainably managed forests. So, you know, replanting trees when they're being harvested to make, right. make mass timber products is key. Of course, everybody knows that as a tree grows, it uh, gives off oxygen, takes on carbon dioxide. What some people don't know is that that tree holds that carbon dioxide when you cut it down, when you turn it into a two by four, when you turn that two by four into a steel panel, mm -hmm. uh, when that goes into the building. You know, so a lot of people kind of refer to CLT or mass timber buildings as carbon sinks. The only time that that wood member loses that carbon dioxide is when it burns or when it decays. So if we're able to use mass timber in construction with also an end goal in mind of reuse, you know, designed for disassembly and reuse, uh, that is definitely going to prolong the carbon benefits of the structural materials. Now there's certainly some carbon, you know, involved in the manufacturing of those, but generally speaking, the it's, it's more than offset by the carbon that's stored by the wood products themselves. Dang. Okay. I, I really, the first time I really wrapped my head around that. So I had gotten to the point of, um, you can't, you can't effectively farm forests or have a sustainable resource in wood because of the amount of time it takes for a tree to grow. And then ultimately you use it. So, um, and I'm not great at the terminology necessarily, but the only way you could effectively farm, uh, and meet demand, uh, and not have to, uh, do so at the detriment of, of the access you have to the, uh, to the, the growth, um, is through CLT. Now the embodied carbon part, I, I read more and more about, but that just kind of clicked it all for me. Uh, cause I didn't think of it as the, the concept of it being, uh, in the wood for the life, uh, of the built structure. And so now the circular economy also makes a lot more sense to me because you, you, you know, you extend that life again until, uh, and the only way for it to end would be if, uh, the, the wood was burned or, or otherwise decayed, right? It's um, very interesting. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's good. And I think that, you know, there's also another mind shift that, that's, that's often required when having this conversation is thinking about forest health. Like, I think everybody thinks so that it, forest health is, is obviously a very good thing, right? Um, well, think of, you know, if, if you want to, to have, let's say, a prolonged apple orchard near you, and you want to see that apple orchard prosper, do well for years and years to come. Well, how are you going to support that? You're not going to support that by saying, well, I don't think we should pick those apples because, you know, we need to let those apple trees grow. You know, you're going to support it by picking apples so that maybe they can produce more apples and then mm -hmm. they plant more apple trees. You know, the same thing goes with, with a healthy forest, with sustainable forest management. You're, you're actively thinning certain trees, not certainly, not all of the trees, but you're actively thinning certain trees and planting new ones. Um, 
And so by doing that, you're, I mean, number one, you're creating healthy forests, you're, you're creating good jobs for those rural areas, generally rural areas. Um, and then you're also thinning what could potentially be, if not, if not harvested, what could be a fuel for a wildfire, you know, down the line. Mm. Um, because of the fact that if, if, if trees are not, if a forest is not maintained well, and trees start to die, that standing deadwood is essentially just fuel for a wildfire down the road. So it can also be very beneficial in preventing or minimizing uh, wildfires down the road using active forest management, using smaller diameter trees uh, in mass timber projects, products, and then ultimately projects is, like you said, it really creates this great circular economy. Interesting. You know, it's funny, the, the, the concept of uh, pruning, right? Uh, my a significant other is, is much, very much a gardener. And the, the concept of, of pruning to me also from the very beginning was a, was a challenge. Like, we were going to take branches off and it's going to grow more. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So luckily, when I was reading about CLT and ultimately forest management, that's where, that's where my Google rampage took me. Um, I ultimately uh, kind of came across that same concept, uh, that forest management requires uh consumption and so this whole like leave it be is the same as um you know letting an animal out into the wild you know there's there's a there's a concept of beneficial human participation we're not all bad <laughs> um so that's that that brings together a lot of um a lot of philosophy for me um well fantastic so um let's see what else could we touch on uh casually we're we're a few minutes over but i'm i'm we're going to keep roll for a few more minutes. Um, so the upcoming event, May 27th, um, you got me on there, awkward lighting, <laughs> staring at the camera. Um, very appreciated. Uh, but then, then there's going to be a Q&A following the event. Uh, and this is something you're going to do regularly at Woodworks, correct? Yeah, so we, we do, you know, this is more of like a, a bigger event for us. You know, we call it a symposium. Like I mentioned, we used to do these in person, so we do several per year, and whether it's in person or, or virtual kind of dictates how many uh, and where those are. But yeah, we're generally doing at least two of these large half to full day events per year. Um, but then there's, you know, because we understand people may not have the, the time to dedicate to a full or half day of education, we kind of have several tiers that can, can meet different people's needs. So throughout the year, we have a series of like, two-hour online seminars, and those are, are generally delivered by our woodwork staff, um, going into more in-depth topics on design, you know, whether it's light frame wood, detailing, you know, a multifamily mid-rise building, um, and then once a month, we host a free online webinar. It's every second Wednesday, one Eastern. Um, just you know, can kind of mark it on your calendar. We host a, a, that, so it's we do those more in themes of like quarterly themes. Uh, so, like for example, the first quarter this year was all mass timber case studies, um, mm. and now we're going through a series of more structural oriented uh, topics. Q3, those webinars are going to be focused on like architectural multifamily detailing. Um, so we're going to like highlight some affordable housing projects that have used wood. Um, so yeah, there's kind of a spectrum of educational offerings that we have, um, and you know, ranging in terms of their duration, and then also ranging in terms of what um, depth of what of technical content they go into. Yeah, uh, Arnest Tavares, we're very familiar with that. Uh, we give every uh, new hire. I mentioned that we we picked up a few more people recently. We give them the breakdown of modular detailing, 
Uh, we have another presentation on common materials and connections. Uh, so now, uh, by virtue of this conversation, uh, I just signed them all up for this week, <laughs> for uh, awesome. once a month. Yeah, um, I don't know why I hadn't well, done that I sooner. Speak for us at a couple of our events in the past as well. So you know, we're also always looking for good third-party peer-to-peer presenters. Um, so you know, like yourself and like Ralph and Pedro, uh, we're looking to really share your expertise and knowledge with the people that we also regularly interface with. Absolutely. Uh, we'll include a link uh, down in the comments, uh, this on LinkedIn Live. Um, we'll definitely have that information there for people to access so they can register for events, uh, become members. Do you have anything, uh, any guidance on um, what, what that looks like for, for people based on what their background is, like for membership or however they can participate? Or yeah, so we, we don't have membership in terms of like people needing to purchase a membership from us. Uh, each educational event that we offer, it's generally a, a nominal fee. Um, you know, for a two-hour two online seminar might be 20 or $30, something like that. So it's just more, uh, with the exception of those monthly webinars, which I said were free. So mm-hmm. um, it's more just event by event. Um, and if, you know, if somebody wants to, we always have a list of upcoming events on our website. Uh, but we can also, you know, sign up to get regular emails from us uh, that'll kind of highlight, you know, hey, we have this upcoming event in your region, or we have these three online symposiums coming up, you know, that type of thing. So, so you can always be aware. Um, but, but you can do that, or like I said, just check the list of, kind of have like a calendar view of all the upcoming online events that we have. Fantastic. So I'll be sure I'll be sure to share that as well. Uh, any closing closing arguments, as we say here at the firm? Uh, anything else you want to say before we before we take off? No, no. I think you know we're just looking forward to to the event on May twenty seventh, and then right. hopefully down the line, um, getting back together in person with people, um, you know, at, at future events and conferences. And, and again, feel free to reach out. Woodworks is a free resource, so if you have any questions on design. Um, Woodframe master buildings, just let us know we're here as a free resource. Absolutely. Wonderful. Great having you, Ricky. Yeah, thank you, Anthony. This has been fun. Talk soon.